Let's pray. Can you hear me? Oh, hang on. I've got to turn it on. <laughs> it's hard to get good help, isn't it? All right, is that a bit better? Yes. Excellent. All right. Father, I pray that um, my words will be guided by your spirit, that they will speak to people's hearts and we will accept what um, you're saying to us today and um, embrace a future that is led by your spirit and filled with your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So my prayer might have given you a little bit of a clue about today's topic. Spirit-led and spirit power. So um, this week uh, I found this a very um, challenging time just to be able to get to do this. Um, it just seems every way I turned, something was pulling me in a different direction. So there was, I think it was a lot of spiritual opposition to this message. And I nearly gave up on it at least three times. Where, um, and even, um, you'll notice probably in a previous look up that we had David Manning booked in for today. And when I booked, actually when I booked him in, I thought, oh, I wonder if I should have been doing that one. That, that, that thought just popped in my head and I thought, oh no, no, he's booked in, that's all good. And then, of course, he pulled out. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, who else can we get? We couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> and then I, I certainly felt convicted that God wanted me to do, uh, to speak to you today on this message. And um, as I said a couple of times, I just I, I, I came before God and said, Father, you know, can't we get someone else, please? <laughs> and he was said, "No, you're going to do it." And I said, "I need your help, Lord." And here we are. So, if you think back over all the churches that you've been in over the years, how would you judge them? Is it by how great the worship is, how intense the prayers are? How blown away you are by the sermon, or how friendly or kind the people were? Have you, have you ever been involved in a church where you thought, wow, this is the body of Christ where everyone seems to be doing exactly what God wants or expects of them? If you have, please let us know because we should probably check that church out. Because <laughs> um, that would be the perfect church. But what criteria would you use to make such a judgment? Really, God is the only one who fully knows and is qualified to judge. But we always have our opinions. The truth is most churches seem to do well in some areas, but struggle in others. But there seems to be one characteristic that I've noticed as a common trait in most churches that I've either visited or been involved in. There seems to always be a small group running around doing most of the work and most of the ministry while the majority are ministered to by the smaller group. In other words, the majority probably aren't mature enough or experienced enough to participate in the ongoing ministry of the church. Well, I reckon we're different to that. 
are, this is one of the few churches I've been in where everyone is involved and doing something, usually multiple things. For sure, it's because we are a small and to some extent it's been born out of necessity. But I see people who are happy to give and share for the benefit of others in the church and that is to be truly commended. And thank you. I believe this is also because of the style of leadership that Daryl practiced, which was not to lord it over people, but he saw himself as a coach who encourages people to take responsibility and improve themselves and what they do in and with the church. And this is the way I would like to continue for our church. So my aim for this sermon is to open our eyes to the possibilities of what I believe is God's vision for our church, which is to be a people who are led by the Spirit, rely on His power to be Christ's properly functioning body here on earth. It's a lot to live up to, but we've got to aim at something. So today, I'm going to take us along a different path to what I have in most previous sermons. I believe God wants me to share what he's been showing me recently, which has mostly come from our Sunday afternoon prayer and praise sessions. I've been wonderfully encouraged by this and hope you will be too. As you know, God mainly shows me pictures or visions, but sometimes he speaks audibly to me too. And this is how this series started. Firstly, as I've mentioned before, the day before Daryl passed, I received a clear word from God. I am preparing a way and I didn't expect it to turn out how it did but I believe that is what God is still doing for us as our church we don't know exactly which direction we're going in but we know we want to follow Jesus we don't know where that will end up but God is preparing us and the environment around us for us to be ready for whatever he has planned for us and secondly after actually Caleb had called me on the phone while I was going to the state conference, as I was walking into the conference, I just cried out to the Lord, God, why? You know, why has this happened now with Daryl? And straight away I heard the, vo- the words from the Lord say, unless a seed of grain falls into the soil, it cannot produce a crop. I believe this means that Daryl, through his ministry to all of us, has planted a teaching and a way of life in us that we need to nurture and keep growing so we can become mature, produce good fruit, but in turn we also need to keep planting that seed that Daryl's planted in us and keep growing them into mature disciples of Christ that produce godly fruit in their lives who then also keep planting the seed of the message about Jesus in the lives of others. Daryl was strong on this, and in our membership book, Upon This Rock, we have the page headed, Our Statement, which reads, The living word brings life to all who receive it. I just love that statement. The living word brings life to all who receive it. Are we going to receive it? Sometimes it's harder than we think to receive what God is wanting to give to us. And then the statement continues. Living Word Macclesfield exists to honour and exalt Jesus Christ and wholeheartedly believes 
that a great commitment to Jesus' great commandment and great commission will grow a great Christian and a great church. I'll just repeat that. There's five greats there. Living Word Macclesfield exists to honour and exalt Jesus Christ and wholeheartedly believes that a great commitment to Jesus' great commandment and great commission will grow a great Christian and a great church. And I still believe that's the case. And just to remind us what the great commission and great commandment are, the great commandment, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus gave us the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission emphasises the importance of not just sharing the good news or the gospel about Jesus with people, but continuing to nurture them and teach them about Jesus to build them up in the faith so they can become strong followers and disciples of Jesus. From the Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon prayer sessions, one of the first things I saw was a woman doing a physical workout on an exercise machine, like a rowing machine. Now, I don't think the fact that I saw a woman doing the exercise is significant, except to say that the church is usually portrayed as female in relation to God as the male. So we hear the church described as things like the bride of Christ. So I think he's talking about the church. I believe God was saying to us that what we are doing there is like our spiritual exercise. So what we were doing in our prayer and, and praise session on Sunday afternoon. When you get fit spiritually through prayer, praise, fasting, seeking him, you become more in touch with God and therefore more effective for use in God's kingdom. Like if you want to be good at anything, you have to put in practice to get better and gain more experience to do a better job. If you use a football analogy, even the most talented AFL football star probably wouldn't last too long if they never practice. Paul talks about spiritual fitness is far more valuable than physical fitness in 1 Timothy 4. Don't waste time arguing over foolish ideas and silly myths and legends. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Bodily exercise is alright, but spiritual exercise is much more important and is a tonic for all you do. So exercise yourself spiritually and practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life, but in the next life too. This is the truth and everyone should accept it. Other translations use the word godliness. The idea is the closer we know Christ, we're in touch, or our intimacy grows with Christ, results in us becoming more like him in our character, 
but also in, in our actions. In my previous sermon, I outlined how God showed me this town is like a rock, but there's a little crack in the rock, and using the hammer and chisel, the chisel that God provides us, we can break open that rock, which represents people's hard hearts, to sow his seed in fertile ground, and how we need to wait for the Lord for him to show us how to do that. So if you want to know more about that one, please listen to the sermon on livingword.com.au. That one's on there. So I'm not going to go further into that one, but just to remind you of that. Another thing I saw was a racing car that had just been finished being prepared, and it looked fantastic. It looked new and shiny, and it was heading out of the garage to go out onto the track ready for action. But then after the the car went out of the the shed and took off to do what it does, race, um, I noticed there was virtually nothing in the garage. There was only a toolbox and then another toolbox on top of that, just a one, two-tier toolbox and not much else. And I thought, how how did that car get prepared with just that small amount there? Um, You know, how how did that happen? So how was such a well-finished racing car prepared with such a small amount of tools? But Jesus talks about a small mustard seed that grows up into a large tree, large enough to provide shelter for birds of the air to nest in. God can take the small and seemingly insignificant things that we have to offer him and turn them into something amazing. It might not happen overnight, but like a tree grows... It keeps growing when it's planted in good soil and is nourished by the Holy Spirit of God. I believe the racing car represents what God will accomplish through us, which is far more than we can imagine or anticipate, even though we have very limited resources here to work with. It will be obvious that it is by trusting in God's provision, not through our own strength and resources, that we will succeed. Another Sunday we were particularly praying against the spiritual opposition in this town and I saw a large pentagram over this town which shows that Satan has a strong influence in this area and over this town. But before we finished praying I saw the pentagram lying in broken pieces on the ground and also Anne saw a huge angel with a mighty sword, a massive angel over there was a, 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 a small demon cowering and sh- shivering in the corner with the angel with the sword over it. So the powers of God and heaven are much more powerful than the powers of the opposition. The Bible talks about our battle is against the evil rulers authorities and powers in the unseen dark world and the evil spirits in the heavenly places. But the great news is that they have no power over us because sin no longer has the power to convict us as guilty anymore because Jesus has dealt with it all on the cross. He's overcome death and all the powers of the devil and his demons. In John 1.5 it says, A light shines in the darkness which can never extinguish it. 
God and his angels are infinitely more powerful than Satan and the demons. If we fear God, we need not fear anyone or anything else that can come against us. The next thing I saw of of label, we're not in this alone. It's not just us and God. The next thing I saw, it was like I was um, surrounded by a stadium being watched by thousands of people in the stands. The scene was uh, lit by this uh, incredibly powerful and bright white golden light um, which made the rows of people in the stadium look shimmering and, and indistinct. Like it was like a, I, I, I was seeing a heavenly scene. And um, I turned 360 degrees around and see the stadium was right around me. And standing, and I was just standing in the middle of the oval with this huge stadium all around me. And I thought, my immediate reaction was, I thought, this seems a bit unscriptural. <laughs> but then I remembered uh, in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It felt like everyone in the crowd was there to support me and was cheering me on and I felt tremendously encouraged. It certainly felt as if I was like an athlete waiting for my event, like I was about to race and everyone wanted me to succeed. Friends, everyone who loves God wants us to succeed in this life. As the scripture says, run with perseverance in the race of life that God has prepared us. But rest assured, we're not running alone. We have received plenty of support from those that have come before us, like Daryl, who have sown into our lives and shown us the way, and also those who are running with us and cheering us on so we can claim the prize of eternal life with Jesus. Now I reckon that's something worth celebrating. The next thing wasn't from me, it was from actually from Kingsley, who saw a thistle seed head, or like a dandelion puffball, and the wind blow it and the seeds being blown out everywhere. Being carried away on the wind. The seed is the word of God and his message will be going out from here and will be carried on the wind of the Holy Spirit to many people in many different places. That's a challenge for us. Uh, I also saw church bell out the front, on the front lawn out there, being rung really vigorously. And I thought, oh, you know, being rung like that out the front there, I reckon the whole town could just about hear that. And ringing the bell, I think, means proclamation. Telling all people far and wide so everyone will know we are Living Word Church who we are, who we stand for, and what we're about. That we are a people who love and follow Jesus and are hungry to know and love him more and share his wisdom, forgiveness and love with all those we meet.
The last vision I'm going to share with you, I, um, when I had it, I tried to put it out of my mind because I thought, I don't want to see this, Lord. <laughs> um, but it was last uh, Sunday's prayer session um, where I was looking across a landscape, but it was at night. It was a, a dark landscape, but the moon was in the background over the, over the hills. And there was a, like a veil across, like that was being blown in the wind across it, which made it look a little bit less distinct than it would if the veil wasn't there. Um, I believe the night landscape is the area where we are living is largely going about life in darkness and is largely untouched by the light and largely uninterested in the light, although they are half-heartedly attempting to block out the light completely that is shining from the moon behind the veil. I think the moon represents the church and servants of God who are reflecting some of God's glorious light back into his community. So there is hope here. The thing is, it's a lot harder to do anything at night because it's more difficult to see what you're doing and where you're going and you're tired and you probably want to go to sleep. But what we can be sure of is that after every night there is a dawn when the sun will rise again to bathe the cold land in the warmth of its glorious light. Friends, we need to be a people that helps usher in a new dawn of the revelation of who God is and what he has done and continues to do for all who will receive him. So how do we do that? Firstly, I think I want to return to Daryl's statement from our membership book, Upon This Rock, that we listened to earlier. I think it's a good place to start. So I just want to repeat that again. Living Word Macclesfield exists to honour and exalt Jesus Christ and wholeheartedly believes that a great commitment to Jesus' great commandment and great commission will grow a great Christian and a great church. So what does that look like in practice? As we are all part of this church, we all need to be fulfilling the roles and needs that Jesus wants us to. As Paul says when he is teaching about spiritual gifts in Corinthians, that a body is made up of many parts which are all important but have different roles and functions and they all need to work together, otherwise we'll just fall in a heap. I think that is why Jesus earnestly prayed for unity in the church because any success in the church relies on following Jesus in unity of spirit and in actions. So I believe it is incredibly important that we all get to know how and where the Holy Spirit is leading us to function in the body of Christ. That is one of the reasons I wanted to share with you today some of what God has been showing me because I believe that is part of the role God has given me in his church as your pastor and as a prophet. And I, would be, I wouldn't be being obedient to Jesus if I didn't share this with you. But also to try and encourage you to step out in faith, to have a go in an area where you believe the Holy Spirit is leading you. Well, some of you might say, I'm unsure of the gift God has bestowed on me. Well, the first thing you can be sure of 
is that he has given you good gifts and he has promised us this in his word. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And because God gives good gifts, you can be sure that you will find using your gifts both fulfilling and faith building. So encourage us to follow the Spirit's leading and nudging and at least have a try. But going, well, what do I try? Well, often God will give us gifts in an area where we see a need. If you keep seeing people who need healing, God may be calling you to bring healing hand into people's lives. If you keep seeing better ways that things could be organised, he probably has gifted you in that area. If you keep getting thoughts or ideas of encouragement for certain people, God is probably gifting you to encourage and build others up. So I pray that we'll pay attention to where you see needs appearing and ask for God's help so you can be his instrument to fill that need and as the Apostle Paul instructs in 1 Corinthians 12, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So I want to encourage you, if you see a need or want to do something you believe will be helpful, please come and see me so we can go about getting ready to put your spiritual gifts into action in our church and in the future in our community. So let's talk and discuss further and ask me any questions you have. So as we come to a close, I want to finish with, I believe God wants us to be the spirit-led and spirit-powered church. And just so it turns out, we have a request for prayer from Anne. And so we're going to put this into action because in James 5, because I hadn't prepared this before, but I'll just look it up to make sure I get it right. James 5.14 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. So I want us to believe that today. And we're going to ask Anne to come forward and the elders to pray for her. And if you have a prompting in your spirit that, um, to pray for healing for Anne, I invite you to come forward as well. And we'll pray for Anne and anoint her with oil. She's having a lot of pain. Which foot is it, Anne? My left foot. Her left foot has been giving her a lot of problems this week. So we're going to bring that before the Lord and anoint her with oil. Let's pray. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit, for your power to come upon him, to go down into her foot, to reconfigure it, to put it back into its proper state, Lord Jesus. All the bones, all the flesh, all the tendons, all the nerves be properly aligned and renewed and put into place by your spirit so her pain will be gone. She can walk properly and go about 
particularly taking a little sky out for a walk. Praise Jesus. Father, anoint you in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, thank you that you are a wonderful God with wonderful gifts to give. Yeah. May we receive everything that you have for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. Amen. So let's be a people who are led by the Spirit and rely on his power to be Christ's properly functioning body here in Macclesfield and wherever God leads us. Amen.